Mainstream music trends are constantly evolving, so the rise of grunge in the early 1990s in and of itself is not unique. However, it is debated on, on whether grunge's mainstream success was the result of audiences looking for a, a more raw, emotionally visceral style of music, or if the whole thing was about control and a movement driven by record labels looking for a, a, a new, younger group of bands to exert control over. Well, regardless of what you think, what can't be denied is that the rise of grunge coincided with the cancellation of an entire genre and a particular skill set. And among the bands affected would be a group that would actually come out in 1990, one of which being Firehouse. But we got a song on the radio there that uh, went to number one on a local station. And then we got to showcase in front of every label um, that, w that I'd ever heard of at the time. And they all passed. Um, and then we got a tape to to uh, one of the, the promo guy at Epic Records. He sent it up to his one of his bosses up in New York, and the guy said, I got to come down and see you. So that's how that happened. And the song that was played on the radio back then was a song called Home is Where the Heart Is, and it wound up being on our first record. Yeah, looking back, 1990 really didn't sound all that different from 1989. Slaughter would release their debut album. The breakup of Dokken would result in both the solo albums for Don Dokken as well as George Lynch's Lynch Mob. Extreme would release their second album, as would Winger. So Firehouse and guitarist Bill Leverty seemed perfectly positioned to be part of that next generation for arena rock. November of 1990 and we just stayed out on the road um, the only time we came off the road was to go back in the studio Tommy Mottola said you guys can't have the material for your second album ready soon enough and we were like well we got it ready and then a couple weeks later we were in the studio and uh, we recorded that and before the album was even mixed we were out on the road with Tesla um, what was going to be a, a, a six-week tour turned out to be a nine-month tour. Firehouse's debut album would be certified double platinum, and their 1992 follow-on album, Hold Your Fire, would certified gold. In fact, both albums would land just outside of the top 20 of the Billboard Hot 200 album charts at number 21 and number 23, respectively. We, we went around uh, the country once, and all the promoters said, hey, we want to have you back. And we went around the country again. And then all the promoters said, hey, we want to have you again. So we went around the third time. So we lasted for nine months. Um, by the time we got done with that, we were like, OK, we're, we're going to maybe take a little time off. But you know, we, we did. And it was, it was 93. And Poison uh, went out with Damn Yankees and a couple of shows with Leonard Skinner. And we were like, oh, uh, we'd love to do this. And so we opened up that show. Most of, most of the gigs we, we went on first. Um, there was a couple where I think Enough's Enough came out as well. But by 1995, and as fast as grunge had come onto the mainstream, it too had begun to change and, ex and experience a shift of its own with the growth in uh, post-grunge, alternative, and new metal. And that was the time when um, the alternative scene was really starting to, to take hold. And we were um, in the studio making our record, and we just did what we wanted to do. Meanwhile, we saw other bands put records out that uh, were having a hard time because radio just was, oh, we're not playing that kind of music anymore. 
Gone were the days when uh, rock songs were about either partying, sex, falling in love, or breaking up. Lyrics had become filled with angst, uh, self-deprecating. Guitar riffs were heavy, uh, guttural, you know, full of open tunings, and guitar solos were being treated as cliche and even mocked. Radio stations would edit a song and edit out the solo. The guitar solo was the first thing to go. Yet, in spite of all of that, in 1995, Firehouse would have yet another top 40 hit with their song, I Live My Life For You, which would contain a, a beautifully melodic, yet technically solid guitar solo. With that third record that we put out, uh, we had a song called I Live My Life For You that um, went into the top 40. And that has a guitar solo on it. It's um, it's a more melodic solo, but um, you know, so that was played um, on the radio a little bit at a time. And I guess it was 95 when um, nobody was playing um, our genre at all, but we, you know, we got in there and, and got lucky and got a song on the radio. And in spite of Firehouse having yet another top 40 hit, that wasn't enough to stop the wheels of change that were already in motion. I had a friend of mine, you know, back in the in the good old days, who was a record company, who had been through a lot of record companies, and he was an older older guy. And he said, "Yeah, you know, as soon as they tell you they want to put out your greatest hits, they're about to drop you." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, interesting." And well, what do you know? About uh, a couple of weeks later, our and our guy called up. He said, "Yeah, I think we're going to put out your greatest hits record." I said. I didn't let him I know, uh, you know, that I knew what he was, where he was going with this. So I said, man, Eric Clapton has this acoustic record out. It's so good, you know, and it's sold like 12 million records. And can we put out an acoustic record and, and re-record our greatest hits and maybe put a couple of new ones on there? Just on Sunday, I love you every day and I fall to my He goes, yeah, I don't know if I can get you the budget that's in your contract which is another sign that says they're about to drop you. So having secured a budget of only $10,000, Firehouse would head down to Sarasota, Florida and Telstar Studio where they would record and self-produce the album, Good Acoustics, which when delivered to Epic Records, they would then ask for budget to help promote the album in America. And, um, our genre now was very out of favor. And we asked the girl who was in charge of the marketing of, of our record, our product manager is what her title was. And we said, how much money do you have budgeted for promoting our album in America? She said, I just got back from the meeting. They, they wouldn't give me any, they wouldn't even give me one penny to promote your record in America. So we said, oh, okay. So what we did is we, we went overseas to tour and we had toured uh, Southeast Asia a little bit um, on that, on that third album. And uh, we went over there and toured nonstop because gigs were tough to get in America. We couldn't couldn't get good gigs in America, so we went over there. And uh, that that album, Good Acoustics, went gold in six countries. As long as you are living in your perfect world. 
Good Acoustics would end up being the last Firehouse album released under Epic Records, but with such a small budget, it would actually give uh, Bill Leverty the opportunity to develop his skills as a producer by working closely with who he would refer to as a world-class engineer. Good Acoustics was recorded in uh, Telstar Studios with the assistance of a world-class engineer named Mark Severns. So, you know, I learned a lot from Mark and recorded those albums ourselves and um, saved saved a lot of money. A skill set that would actually serve him well as he would end up being the producer on the following album, Category 5. It's been so long since I touched your Now, for many of us with some gray hair, you know, we've learned that often events in life come with both pros and cons. And one of the pros of no longer being tethered to a label is that Firehouse was now more free to incorporate a larger selection of influences into their sound, including blues, southern rock, as well as the use of dual lead vocals. One of the unfortunate realities that Firehouse would face, as well as a number of other bands from that era, is that by being pigeonholed to a single sub-genre of music, they would essentially be canceled. The marketplace was so tough for bands of our genre, and, and our A&R guy said, hey man, even if you put the latest Pearl Jam record in the album cover and it says Firehouse on it, people are going to look at it and they're going to, yeah, we're not playing that kind of music anymore. The radio stations were just not interested in playing it, MTV wasn't going to play it. All right, I've got plenty more footage to share from my conversation with Bill Leverty of Firehouse, but I'm probably going to have to save that for a part two because I want to make sure I give uh, ample time to talk about his solo projects because this cat's got some soul. But for right now, I want you to share with me your best memory associated with the music of Firehouse. <laughs> 